Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. COVID-19 is frequently defined by the numbers. Since this reporting began earlier this year, we've seen close to 18 million cases in the U.S. Staggering. But this week on 880 In-Depth, we'd like to focus on another number. Those who've survived COVID but are still feeling the effects weeks and in some cases months later. They've become known as the long haulers, and they could number in the millions. What the long haul patients are experiencing is really not new. This has been known to happen for many other viruses. What's new is that so many people were getting this virus for the first time all at the same time. Consider that 10 to 30 percent of COVID survivors are feeling post-COVID effects. The symptoms are many. Fatigue, shortness of breath, brain fog, and more. But a new diagnosis could hold a key as to why so many are still suffering weeks and months later. A lot of times these patients who have a post-viral illness are getting diagnosed with something called dysautonomia, which is um, a dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. I'm Tim Sheld from WCBS News Radio 880 and welcome to Science Class. We spotted a medical term we had never heard before and we wanted to know more. It's called dysautonomia. It may not explain all of the post-COVID virus ailments that so many are reporting, but it may hold some promise to explaining some of it. Lauren Stiles is a research assistant professor of neurology at Stony Brook University School of Medicine on Long Island. She's also the president and co-founder of Dysautonomia International. When you have an acute infection, everyone says, oh no, I hope you feel better. And, you know, usually you get better in a few weeks. But if it's six to nine months later and you're still not better, a lot of people in your life will have a hard time understanding that. Like, what do you mean you're not better yet? Didn't you go to the doctor? Lauren Stiles is someone who has her own medical mystery story to tell. More on that later. But first, our conversation with Peter Haskell as they unpack the idea of long haulers. We've got this great news that there is a vaccine and we can see the beginning of the end. But for a lot of people who have already had COVID, they cannot see the end. They're called long haulers. They have chronic COVID. What exactly is this that we're hearing about? 
So it seems that about 10 to 30% of all people who acquire COVID, even the mild or asymptomatic cases, are developing some long-term symptoms, which the patients started calling long-haul COVID, uh, but the researchers are more likely to be calling it post-COVID syndrome. And this is a not a new concept. Um, for a long time, researchers have known that people who get viruses, a subset of them might develop some long-term symptoms that last long after the infection is gone. And that seems to be what's happening with a subset of COVID patients. What is it about it or why does this happen post-virus? So when you have a virus, your immune system mounts um, a response to that virus and tries to knock it out by developing antibodies to the virus and and other immune cells that go to work. And sometimes these immune cells can get a little bit too aggressive uh, or, or some immune cells that maybe aren't so good for you end up developing. And uh, in some people, the, you know, there might be like a genetic predisposition to how your body responds to an infection. And some people might just have an overly aggressive immune response. That's, that's one mechanism that can cause lingering symptoms after a virus. In other cases, um, people might have become deconditioned if they were if they were laying in bed for a few weeks with a bad virus. Um, that's a sort of more temporary problem, but it can certainly be very debilitating if you become deconditioned. Um, and that you know usually you can address that with exercise. With a few weeks or months of exercise, you get back to baseline. Um, but there's a whole different problem of some people developing um, more long-term symptoms than than just deconditioning that involve um, damage to their heart, damage to their lungs, um, neurological damage. So we're seeing a, a lot of different effects from COVID. Everyone seems to have um, a slightly different presentation. It seems that's what's so scary about this. There's such a range of symptoms, all kinds of things, shortness of breath, brain fog, rapid heartbeat more and more. Are all of these things potentially linked to this immune response? Yes. Um, so I, I would be careful. I don't want to say that everyone has uh, a, like a clearly understood immune response. There's so much research happening, so um, we probably have to wait for more research to come out to really understand exactly what's going on. But just as a concept, um, if you have um, an overactive immune system that has responded to the virus, has you know hopefully knocked that virus out of your system, but now your immune system is kind of stuck in overdrive. Um, and that can cause symptoms like shortness of breath and brain fog, which is, you know, just another term for cognitive impairment, just being unusually forgetful, losing your words, thinking like, um, feeling like you're in a cloud when you're trying to think clearly about stuff, um, and, and many other symptoms. Some of the patients are reporting a loss of their sense of taste and smell, and that is sort of a, a distinct feature. And, uh, you know, for most patients, that will resolve in a few weeks to a few months. Um, but there are some people reporting that it's, it's a long-lasting problem for them. You say that specifically about taste and smell. What about the other symptoms? Would they expect to fade away with time, or don't we know that yet? I would say in some people, it's most likely. But we know from other viruses that a subset of people who... Um, have a, a chronic illness after a virus can have a very, very long-lasting uh, chronic condition that can last for many, many years.
So if people have these symptoms, what should they know and what should they do? So um, first I would assume that I would, I would try to operate under the presumption that you are going to find ways to feel better, um, but just be aware that, that it could become a long-term chronic illness. So getting diagnosed and treated early is probably a good idea. It's a little bit hard to um, pinpoint exactly what's going on because the research on COVID is so new. But finding a doctor who is willing to work with you to help minimize your symptoms as much as possible and make you comfortable. And um, I would say it's very important to rule out some of the important uh, sort of dangerous conditions that COVID can cause. We are seeing some COVID patients developing myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. And this can show up weeks to months after a viral infection. And so you would want to see your doctor and make sure that that is not what is causing your long-term symptoms. Um, you would also want to make sure that you don't have um, a pulmonary embolism, which is a blood clot in your lung. So both myocarditis and pulmonary embolism can cause a long-term uh, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, dizziness on standing. And so this can mimic what, you know, typical post-viral syndromes but we really want to make sure that, that those two things have been ruled out because they're treated, treated um, quite differently than a, than a typical post-viral syndrome. You talk about finding a doctor that will work with you. We're hearing about specialized treatment centers that are opening up. Is that something people should seek out, or if they like their doctor, are they good? You know, I would start with your local, Your if you have a good family doctor that's known you for a long time and knows what your baseline was before you were sick, I think it's always good to start with them if you can. Um, and if, they, if you feel that they are not able to help you or they, they really weren't acknowledging the problems that you're um, trying to bring to their attention, then it might be worth it to reach out to one of the post-COVID clinics that are opening up all over the place. Um, and so you can go to SurvivorCorps.org is a, a group that started by COVID patients from the New York area, actually. And um, they have a list of centers all over the country. And I know here in New York we have a few. Um, one is at the Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, Stony Brook, where I'm on faculty, has opened up a post-COVID clinic. And there's certainly other hospitals in the New York area that are doing this, too. When it comes to treatment, is there a treatment in general? Do you treat the symptoms individually, or is there a cure, or is it just a matter of time? So I don't think there's a cure for post-COVID syndrome yet, um, or any post-viral syndrome. But you know, the, I really want to emphasize that what the long-haul patients are experiencing is really not new. This has been known to happen for many other viruses. What's new is that so many people were getting this virus for the first time all at the same time and talking to each other in social media and getting media coverage about it. So you can find plenty of patients who have um, a post-viral syndrome from the flu or, or you know, a, a GI bug or respiratory infections. This is really not a new concept. Um, and a lot of times these patients who have a post-viral illness are getting diagnosed with something called dysautonomia, which is um, a dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. And so there are different ways this is treated, um, depending on the cause and depending on how severe it is. Um, and for many patients, 
their doctors after they've ruled out myocarditis and pulmonary embolism or, or other, like, um, you know, specific things that can happen with COVID. I mean, there's such a wide range of organ problems that COVID can cause if you had a severe case. But for the typical patient who had a mild initial case of the infection and then is experiencing these long-term symptoms, um, their doctors might try things like increasing their salt and fluid intake, uh, which helps their autonomic nervous system move the blood around their body a little bit easier. Um, they might try things like gentle recumbent exercise, which is um, recumbent meaning like laying down or seated. They might try medical compression stockings or abdominal binders to help the blood flow uh, get back up to their heart a little bit better. Um, and then there's a long list of medications that are used for different symptoms. But even with all of the known treatments for uh, a post-viral dysautonomia, many, many patients uh, do not fully recover from this. We have millions of people in the U.S. who, who have these disorders already from other viruses. Um, and many of them are, you know, to, to quote the COVID patients, in it for the long haul. Lauren Stiles has personal history here. At age 31, she struggled for two years to understand why she was hit virtually overnight by symptoms of something referred to as POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, a condition that affects the blood flow in the body. Doctors finally diagnosed Sjogren's syndrome. Lauren Stiles is a long hauler in her own right. She knows what it feels like to suffer something you cannot easily explain. I did specifically want to talk about post-COVID POTS, which is a specific form of dysautonomia. If anyone out there is having lots of tachycardia when they stand up, if their heart is racing when they stand up and they're feeling lightheaded when they stand up, there are a lot of resources for people with POTS that could be helpful to these patients, and including um, doctors that know how to diagnose and treat it, specific treatment plans that are, that are helpful. Not everyone with a post-COVID illness has POTS, but a subset of people qualify for this diagnostic criteria. And uh, we do know how to help these patients, not magically cure them, but we do know um, specific treatment options. As for the rest of the long haulers, the fact that the spotlight is being shined on this now with the volume of patients we're seeing, how significant is that in terms of research and trying to find more answers? I think that this um, situation with COVID has brought, um, first of all, the entire academic community is working on COVID research in some capacity. You, are, you would be very hard to pressed to find any hospital or university that does research anywhere in the world that isn't working on COVID research in some capacity right now. So I think that COVID, you know, acute COVID patients are in some respects a lot luckier than people with other diseases that, that have been out there for years but just really haven't been studied. Um, so the different types of dysautonomia, which, which I research, there are so few people in the world that are studying these. But now because COVID is causing some of these forms of dysautonomia, we're actually seeing a lot more interest in researching this. We're seeing Dr. Fauci has been talking about this to the American Medical Association, to, um, to other NIH researchers. We've had um, lots and lots of media coverage about post, 
COVID dysautonomia. And so I have hope that this is going to lead to better research, not only that helps the COVID patients, but also helps people with other post-viral syndromes that existed long before COVID. You've talked about SurvivorCore.org, and we've heard about Facebook groups from people that we've spoken to. They talk about the frustration with dealing with this. How important is it for patients to find people to talk to who really get it and understand? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to connect um, with other patients who are going through the same thing, to share resources on, you know, which doctors are helpful, who's not so helpful. Um, And I I think that patient advocacy um, has played a big role in COVID, you know, getting the attention that it is getting from the research community because the patients kind of got out of the gate early and started doing their own research because no doctor had, you know, they hadn't studied COVID in the past. (laughs) It was so new. So, um, patients started doing their own surveys and, and you know, trying to um, do, trying to collect real scientific data on what treatments were helping what types of patients, and so that's been pretty exciting. Um, I think it's important for people to feel validated. A lot of times, if you end up, you know, you, when you have an acute infection, everyone says, oh, no, I hope you feel better, and, you know, usually you get better in a few weeks. But if it's six to nine months later and you're still not better, a lot of people in your life will have a hard time understanding that. Like, what do you mean you're not better yet? Didn't you go to the doctor? <laughs> you know? And um, unfortunately, there's no quick fix. There's no magical pill that your doctor can give you to make this go away. So people need to be supportive of their friends and family that are going through this and, and validate them. You know, this isn't, you're not just imagining this. You didn't just wake up one day and decide not to go to work. Um, you know, you have a real medical problem that needs treatment and research. You talk about what we've seen over the past six to nine months. What do you hope we can find out over the next six to nine months? I'm hoping that we will, well, I'm hoping we'll see progress with the vaccines and hopefully a reduced uh, transmission rate so that we can start to close this awful chapter of our history. Um, But in terms of research for people who've already acquired the virus, I would really like to see research that explores whether early intervention, early diagnosis and intervention of post-COVID syndrome helps people recover faster. Because I suspect that that is probably true. Like many diseases, you know, the earlier you catch it and the earlier you treat it, usually the better the outcome for the patient. So we don't have that kind of data in COVID yet since it's so new, but I'm hoping that research will show that, and that will give doctors more motivation to learn about this and to learn how to treat it as best as possible to help their patients have a better chance of recovery. You know, I want to get back to one other thing. It seems like a lot of these patients didn't have severe COVID symptoms. Is that necessarily the case? And if so, why? I, if I knew that, I'd be, I'd have a very, you know, great research paper to tell you about, <laughs> but I, I don't know why. We do notice that as well uh, in sort of my casual observations, but, and this is not uncommon in the, in the world of post-viral syndromes. People who were previously healthy, athletic, young individuals get a virus and it just sort of knocks them off their feet and they have a really hard time uh, getting back to their, their normal functioning. 
and this is um, a good um, parallel that might be familiar to a lot of people, is if you ever had a teenager who had mono, like, you know, when they're 14, 15 years old, and sometimes people with mono uh, or with an Epstein-Barr virus infection, they get mono, and sometimes they can be sick for months and sometimes years. And so this is... um, you know, just just an example of how an, an, a previously healthy young athletic person who didn't really have a severe initial infection, you know, sort of ends up with this long-term kind of immunological weirdness. And researchers, historically, not a lot of money has been put into trying to understand these, these post-viral syndromes, but I think that we are seeing a bit of a, a shift in that, that there's now interest because with if 10 to 30% of COVID patients are going to develop long-term symptoms, this is going to cripple our healthcare system because it's already not very set up to deal with chronic illness patients to begin with. Um, and there's just millions and millions of people getting diagnosed with COVID. So you can only imagine how, if, if uh, 10, even if 10% had a long-term illness, how many more people is that that are going to need that long-term healthcare? This is kind of depressing. So with that thought, I want to end with people who have these symptoms. What gives you hope? What do you want to share with them that just might give them a spark of hope? I, I think that um, you could, I think that the way I would think of it is that most people who have um, a, a post-viral illness do improve in their symptoms over time. And I think the real key to that is being patient with your body and yourself, um, trying to find a good medical practitioner to work with to help you find ways to feel better. It takes a lot of trial and error sometimes and being creative and trying new things. And then also just be hopeful because there is a lot of research going on to try to understand this. So even if you see a great doctor next month and they can't figure you out, you know, in six months, there might be some more research that that helps guide um, a clearer path to feeling better. Our thanks to Lauren Stiles, whose work has definitely gained notice in the post-COVID virus research community. We'll keep watch on it, and we're happy to share her thoughts. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and I are the executive producers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us at WCBS880.com or radio.com. Just look for 880 In-Depth. Happy holidays, good health to you and yours, and our sincere blessings to our frontline workers. Please be safe. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 